Hey, it's Joey Thurman. I'm excited to bring you season two of the Fad or Future podcast. We live in a world where information is everywhere, easy to access, and sometimes not always accurate, especially in the health and wellness space, which is exactly why I created this show. There's two sides to every story, and I'm here to present both and let you decide, is it a fad or is it the future? Health fads come and go, but the science behind them is what makes them work or fail. I'm bringing the experts to you and putting the facts on the table so you can decide how and where to put your efforts in your own personal health and wellness journey. All right, what's going on? It's Joey Thurman. Here's another episode of the Fad or Future podcast. As I sipped, sip my optimal electrolytes, which are like gold right now. <laughs> look, at, look at that plug, Dr. Lynch. I have uh, yes. Dr. Ben Lynch in front of me. Uh, and you've, you've trained thousands of doctors. You're the, the founder of Strategy and Seeking Health. You also wrote Dirty Jeans book, which I have here in front of me. Uh, you're kind of doing a lot of things that a lot of normal doctors wouldn't be doing because you have to look, <laughs> look at the whole person and what's going on with the lifestyle and not just diagnosing things to diagnose them. And I just went through um, a course of his online uh, the Dirty Jeans course, and it, and it was really good. But first of all, thanks for coming on the show. I know we've been trying to get you on for quite some time, so um, I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, awesome to be here, Joey. And and uh, yeah, it's it's amazing where our paths take us, isn't it? <laughs> it it is. I was talking to you beforehand. I was trying to get out to uh, Washington like a year ago, and then 2020 happened, and you know all that other stuff. So we don't need to get into that. So what is it that you do? Because most people when they hear dirty jeans, like, what, what is this? I mean, they may be familiar with, with a few jeans and, um, but it's really an interesting thing that you're looking at the whole individual, as I said, and most doctors are spending, you know, five or 10 minutes and prescribing and just fixing whatever the previous doctor might have even told the, you know, the person that they have. So what is it that you really do? Well, another thing that all these health professionals are doing is they're guessing. Hmm. I'm, I mean, let's be honest, health professionals are guessing and they're trying to guess what other health professionals didn't guess. And psychiatry, you know, psychiatry and is, is a, the biggest guessing of, of them all. You know, let's try this med or let's try that med and come back in a month and maybe we'll switch you. Uh, to me, when you are supporting the human body and in, in an individual who's sitting across from you, you shouldn't be guessing. <laughs> You know, and, and health professionals are the third leading cause of death. So, you know, that, that is not a good statistic. We have to fix that. So my job, as I would say, is to really try to reduce the guesswork. There's still going to be some guesswork, but let's minimize it. And then let's at least come up with some really good working theories and that makes sense based upon a whole bunch of research and evidence that we have seen from all these researchers who, frankly, Joey, research, research is getting millions and millions and millions of dollars in all this effort. It could be one to two years of research on one particular study. It's published. Three people read it. <laughs> you know, so research is light years ahead of where medicine is today. And insurance companies are light years behind where medicine is today. Mm. So if you, if you think about that, we, we have a lot to do. So my job is to reduce guesswork by reading the research that researchers are doing that we as a society are funding and supporting, but nobody's reading and nobody's implementing in the everyday clinic you know, practice. 
So by, by doing that, I am delivering rapid uh, utility for health professionals that is ahead of the curve and it reduces guesswork and optimizes patient outcomes. Okay. So if, if I was to you know, come into your clinic and talk about some sort of pain or illness or how I'm feeling, what is the process for you? Say, hey, I've, I've been feeling nauseous for months or I have headache, whatever you know, my symptom is. Uh, what, what do you start with? Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't see patients anymore, but what I do and what I teach um, is still the same. Uh, I learned in, in class that 80% of the visit should be history. Hmm. I mean, 80%, 10% should be physical, actually touching your patient. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's not scanning. You know, we're not booking another appointment to scan you with some tool. We're actually using our hands, eyes, ears, nose, and, um, you know, touching the patient and determining what's going on. And then the other 10% is lab work um, of a myriad of different things. But, you know, history is major. So my focus was open-ended questions. You know, it wasn't, uh, you know, do you have allergies? It was, you know, describe, uh, you know, all the things that are, you're struggling with right now. And there's, not, there's no chief complaint. It's all of them. Because what happens was if someone is just, tell me your primary problem, oh, I'm tired. Oh, okay, where do we go from here? Um, it is, give me all of them, and ideally, ahead of time, you give them to me on a timeline. So if your symptoms of, of uh, GI issues started from, you remember your mom told you that you were such a fussy baby, you had colic all the time, you were burping and vomiting profusely, not sleeping, your eczema, you got asthma at two years old, you know, your acid reflux persisted. So we had to put you on antacids at four. And then you had all these ear infections and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And so you put that on a timeline, you can see the progression of symptoms and symptoms. If you have certain symptoms, those certain symptoms will go deeper and they'll produce other symptoms and, and keep going. And um, it, it becomes, you, you see that trajectory. And so what I do when someone shares me their, their myriad of symptoms, and I'm talking, you know, an average person could have 20, 30 different symptoms going on at a time. What I do is I start categorizing all of those in my head real time. Okay, that's a histamine problem, histamine problem, histamine, folate, folate, histamine, histamine, glutathione, glutathione, all right, detox, detox. You know, and I start categorizing all these symptoms and I start thinking, okay, now which of these major pathways in the human body are being grossly affected and why. And so then I take these 30 symptoms and I lump them down into about three different pathways, uh -huh. which then comes down to about three different genes, really gross, you know, look, but that's what you want. You want a gross big picture look first. We don't want to zoom in. And that's the biggest problem is we go to specialists to solve our breathing difficulties. We need to go to generalists first. Hmm. Okay. Cast so, a big net. Yeah, yeah. Cast a big net, catch a lot of fish and, you know, hopefully you get the right ones in there. So mm -hmm. you talk about, you narrow it down to maybe three different genes and you talk about dirty genes and can you explain what, what is a dirty gene? If people want to hear that word, I think most people be like, what is this guy talking about? Yeah. So a dirty gene is simply a gene that is not functioning at its best. Mm -hmm. That's it. And there are 18,000 or so genes in the human body. And when I was uh, 
working with my publisher with Dirty Jeans, they were adamant on calling the book Seven Deadly Jeans. <laughs> they were adamant about it. They're like, oh, it's going to get tons of press. It's going to do really well. And I was like, I just don't, that's just not sitting right with me. I don't like it. I don't yeah. care about the press. I don't, I just, you know, I want this thing to be helping people for years to come. You know, I don't want a blip of a bunch of media and, you know, maybe it's a New York Times bestseller. Who cares? Because that only is a blip in time. And then now your book sucks and nobody's buying it and nobody's using it. That's very admirable though. I mean, because I'm in the process for pitching my second book and they're like, why well, are you opening to changing the title? I'm like, I love the title so much. We'll see what they come up with on, you know, what the title is going to be. But yeah, I mean, most people, you know, are really in it for, you know, getting that New York Times bestseller and making a bunch yeah. of money. And if it can be called Dirty Jeans, New York Times bestseller, amazing. But yeah, you just said 18,000 jeans. They want to narrow it down to seven. That just doesn't seem like it. Yeah, exactly. And they want to narrow it down to seven and call them deadly. And I was like, well, you know, that is actually doing a major, uh, you know, it's, it's not appropriate because there are some very, very deadly genes out there. Mm -hmm. And these people are not alive today because they were born with these genes. They lived maybe a month, maybe a year or two, and then they're, they're gone because they inherited these really, really broken, damaging genes. And you can't really fix them. They're, mm -hmm. they're just broken. And so I, I was explaining how our environment influences genetic expression. I was describing how uh, lifestyle and, and our food choices and, you know, how vegans can be B12 deficient and, you know, contribute to high homocysteine, which then causes a problem in your neurological and your neurotransmitters and your detoxification and all that. And then my the writer who was helping, she goes, so these genes are basically dirty then, dirty genes. And I was like, oh my God, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's it. That's good. And um, yeah, so in the, in the cover, they sent me a cover rendition of Dirty Jeans and they showed me bites in the letters. Like there, there was, it was like pixels bitten out of the letters. I was like, no, those are broken. That, that, that's, that's, that's broken. It, they're dirty. Put some like slime on the cover or something. <laughs> and, and so my wife came up with the concept of having dust on the table and you wipe it clean. So if mm -hmm. you look at the cover of Dirty Jeans, you yeah. can actually see the rag going it. across the table. Yeah, I, yeah. actually, I wouldn't have known that. And now it's actually quite genius. Yeah. yeah. My first book was just a cover of me shirtless. So <laughs> that's, all, that's all I had. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, so. Well, I know what market <laughs> you were attracting to. Well, you know, I'm like, it's funny. Yeah. It's when I interviewed David Sinclair, he gave me uh, his book and he's got, the, he's got the DNA molecule on there. So I'm standing holding my book because he was all excited to get mine. I'm like, how a, fit, how a fitness professional sells a book versus how, how mm -hmm. uh, Harvard geneticist sells a book was a little bit different. In Dirty Jeans, you've got a, a clean counter uh, right here. Yeah. yeah. All right. So what are, what are some of these things that people... Uh, how can they know if they have dirty genes? I mean, you said there's some that are just genetic, right? That are just bad and they're obviously not going to live long, which is horrible. But how can we really know like what genes are dirty and you know, how do we go about fixing them if we can? It's very easy. Very easy, Joey. And that's why it's so cool is because, you know, I can struggle with a runny nose or, you know, recurring nosebleeds. You know, when I was a kid, I had nosebleeds constantly. So any symptoms that you have, any of them, whether it's fatigue or you can't focus or you, you woke up on the, the wrong side of the bed that day, or you know, you, maybe you're, you're sweating profusely 
or you have difficulty breathing when you're exercising, or maybe you lifted weights and your post-workout soreness, my God, it's lasting a whole week mm. this time. These are dirty genes. And so if you have the ability to look at what symptoms you have, step back and look at what actions that you did in order to trigger those things or what actions you didn't do to trigger them. Maybe you didn't go to bed on time and you watched Netflix all night, you know, or maybe you took too much of a specific supplement because you read on some Facebook group. It's so amazing. And all these people were saying how amazing it was and you took it and it was great the first day, but man, you're on it now day six and you're starting to feel really weird and you don't know what it is. It can't be that supplement because everybody says how good it is. <laughs> so it's, um, it's basically a dirty gene is triggering symptoms, okay. which is telling you, Hey, you need to make some lifestyle, dietary, environmental, or nutrient changes in your life. But we don't do that. We think, Oh, I have a symptom. Now I need to suppress that symptom. Antacids, antidepressants, antidepressants, um, anti, you know, anxiolytics, right. you know, these are, everything's anti, 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 and the body is slapping you in the face or hurting you somewhere, trying to get you to, to change, and you're ignoring it, and then you're suppressing it, telling it to shut up. Well, if you tell something to shut up for a long period of time, it's gonna hold its internal anger and frustration, and it's gonna blow up with something bigger. It's like, oh, you're not taking care of that? All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you cancer now. You it's want like that? An, it's, it's like an argument with my wife. Like eventually you don't bring it up, and then one day it just like rears its ugly head, and then you've got all of this stuff, right? So, I mean, what you're saying is, the common, I'll say American problem, but this is, you know, kind of a, a worldwide problem. We, we, yeah, we, we complain about all these things, right? You, you get up, you've got a sore back or your joints are achy or you've got a headache and we have just become accustomed to having these issues and we either pop a pill like a Tylenol or antacid for it um, or we just live with it as a course of every day in normal life or so we think. But taking, like, I mean, you talk about this in your course, is taking like a Tylenol or antacid actually affects one gene and can affect the other ones and have this cascading event. So can you speak to these things that people are doing that could be having an effect on everything else in, inside their body? Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of people are taking NSAIDs for post-workout soreness or, you know, they take them before playing game. I mean, I, I was playing on a, a rec soccer league for a while and one of the names of the teams was Ibuprofun. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that's really cool. And they're like a bit me in older. college. Yeah. I'd pop 800 milligrams before a college hockey game. And now I, 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 I was taking your course. I'm like, Oh my God, Oh my God. And my wife came in and you know, I was going down a whole rabbit hole. I was like, I was doing 800 milligrams twice a day because I had the back problem and I was 225 pounds. And I'm like, holy yeah. shit, what's happening? And uh, I'm like, Dr. Lynch. Um, so it, yeah, dude, it, I mean, people are just, just popping all this sort of stuff. So I mean, what's happening to them internally? Yeah, what's happening internally is you need to understand what the side effects of these drugs are. And then you need to understand, again, what the mechanism of action is on these medications. What actions are they doing in order to contribute to these side effects. And so let's talk about Tylenol or acetaminophen for a second, mm -hmm. or paracetamol or whatever they call it over, overseas. Um, and Tylenol, one dose of Tylenol will deplete your body's primary antioxidant called glutathione, one of them. And so you're like, okay, well, so what? Um, well, glutathione is your body's primary antioxidant. It, it, it eliminates hydrogen peroxide in your body. Your body generates hydrogen peroxide. It makes it. 
and your glutathione will eliminate it. Glutathione also helps you get rid of arsenic. It helps you get rid of mercury. It helps you get rid of chlorine, formaldehyde, uh, balls, you know that. So if you're swimming in a swimming pool and you took a Tylenol for some reason and you're sucking down the chlorine and then you're drinking unfiltered water and then you take a, a shower and you jump in the hot tub after workouts, you know, and then you come into your home that's been new to, newly remodeled with cabinets of press board and your desk and your office is from formaldehyde and now you got a new carpet, you know, also leaching formaldehyde. And then you got mothballs in the closet because your, your coats are, you know, having moth issues. So now you're, you're bombarding your system. Now your body is generating a heap load of hydrogen peroxide and it's accumulating um, toxic metabolites of chlorine, formaldehyde, and, and naphthalene, which you can't get rid of. And now you become sensitive to smells. And now you walk down the halls of Home Depot and the, and the pesticide aisle and you're super sensitive to smells. And you know your, your husband or wife comes in or your partner comes in with um, some new shirt that came from a, a store, say Target, and it's brand new and you, they tell you to put it on, you put it on and it just reeks of formaldehyde because all new clothes are reeked in formaldehyde. And you become sensitive to that. And you're like, oh my God, what is wrong with me? You go to the doctor and you tell him you're sensitive to smells. It's like, oh, it's all in your head. <laughs> and now you're, you're searching for what's going on. And it all started because you thought Tylenol was safe and you're not consuming good foods, which produce your natural glutathione levels like broccoli sprouts or radish sprouts, um, you know, or cruciferous vegetables, you know, you're and you're not supplementing with things that lead to glutathione. You're, you know, so you're, your problem, and maybe you're overtraining too, because when you train, you're depleting your glutathione stores. So it's um, what I just described is a common everyday occurrence. And if you do not understand which genes are being dirty by your actions, you are going to struggle with these common everyday occurrences, which are annoying, but you go to the doctor and they don't really help you because they're not at the scale enough to help. How many times have you been to the doctor? where we have a pitif, you know, a little pitiful symptom like chronic nosebleeds right. or sensitive smells or, you know, a little rash of, of eczema on your cheek or your butt, you know, and, and you're, you're kind of embarrassed to go to the doctor over such a little thing, but it gets worse and they don't help you because it's not, you know, life threatening. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what you're saying is because, you know, we, we have a, two and a half year old, almost three year old son. And we give him or, organic baby clothes. And my wife washes everything ahead of time. And I, I used to laugh at her. And honestly, until a few days ago, when I finished your course, uh, when I would get, I get sent products and all, new clothes all the time, I'll just put it on and work out. And I was like, you need to wash those clothes. And uh, I was like, nah, I don't, I don't need to wash them. And then I was watching your course and like, oh, it's got benzene on it. And I was like, oh man. So I literally turned it. I apologized to her. I said, <laughs> okay, look, because that's, you know, for him, everything that goes on his skin and he's smelling and we're really careful of that. And uh, we're crashing with my in-laws right now. We sold their place. So we, we don't even want the yard sprayed with all these chemicals, which I would definitely want to get into. And we're very careful about everything that, you know, we give to him because he's a new life. Right. Right. But I need to take care of myself too. And something as simple as washing brand new clothes could you know help me because as you talk about there's benzene on these clothes can, can you speak to things like that that people don't really know about like washing your clothes or you know the the chemicals that are sprayed on the lawn or even walking in your house with shoes on 
for God's oh, sakes. Boy. Like people, yeah. you know, we, I always just didn't do it because we lived downtown Chicago for years and the amount of not only dog crap, but like human fecal matter and rat and all that sort of stuff. We didn't want to bring it into our house and our son was calling around and he actually puts his hand in his, in his mouth. Um, so all these little things that people just, just don't know about. Can I speak to that? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, a big one is, is natural gas in your home. It's, it's the convenience of natural gas is amazing. You have a, you have a pipe that comes in and you can have heaters around you in outdoor seating and restaurants. That's great. You're sitting out in December at the ski slope and you're outside, you know, warm, but you have a, there's a strange smell right there and you ignore it. And it's not really problematic. And then, you know, half an hour into your dinner or your lunch, whatever it is, you start feeling a bit tired and then another 15 minutes go by. Now you're getting a little bit irritable. And then you put your skis back on and you start skiing. And you just don't feel right. You're like, what the hell was that? Well, you just suck down formaldehyde and, and, you know, gas byproducts, combustion byproduct for the last 45 minutes while you're sitting underneath that thing. Um, or it's in your home fireplace or it's at your cooktop at home. And everybody wants natural gas because that's the best to cook on. Right. And, you know, if you don't turn on the hood, that's a problem. If you have gas heat in your home through forest air with your furnace, you know, is that not burning quite right? And I will tell you that every time I would come home in our old home and we had a gas stove, it, when we bought it, it had electric. And I ripped that sucker out because I was gonna get my wife the best and I, I plumbed in our own gas lines and I watching, you know, I went to, I think Home Depot and I took their class on, <laughs> on uh, gas line. Of course uh, you did, of course yeah. you did. And it, it, you know, I plumbed it all and it worked and didn't blow up the house. And, and um, I was all proud of this amazing stove that we, we uh, got in our home. And, and I started noticing that when my wife cooked, she got irritable. And she wasn't irritable prior. I was like, oh, that's, that's just whatever. You know, she's just more cranky these days. And then our cat would eat her dinner or all meals uh, with her dry food bowl um, close to the gas stove. And she started having little twitches. And I was like, oh, hmm. Well, she's just getting old. And then I would notice I'd walk in after Lance, doing landscape construction all day. I'd walk in the house. My wife, you know, we're a big cooking family because cooking is great. And... I would smell it. I could smell the natural gas and I got sensitive to it. And I was like, oh my God, turn the fan on, open the windows. And my wife is like, what? And then I called the, the repair guys to come out. Will you test the combustion of this, how clean it is? They came out three different times. Oh, it's fine. I got rid of the damn thing after I started studying uh, with Dr. Bill Ray, who was a leading clinical ecologist in the world. He had the Environmental Health Center in Dallas, in Dallas, Texas, uh, top doc in environmental medicine by far. And he's like, you got to get rid of that stuff. So I ripped it out and, you know, my wife's moods were more stable. I came in the house. I didn't smell that stuff. Cat still had her seizures, but I was trying to fix her, but didn't. So anyway, natural gas is a big one. So what's happening inside of our bodies in this course? I think you referenced, you know, natural gas to kind of like smog and yes. in, in the city. And if you're going to go for a run and think about it, uh, we lived on Chicago Avenue in downtown Chicago and at the, when I was training people in person and I was training for Spartan races, it was like two and a half miles to work. And I would run at 5 p.m., you know, rush hour oh traffic. My. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm thinking, I'm literally, as I'm watching your course, 
it's like, oh my God, this could be part of the reason why I was so kind of irritable and, and, and snippy. Yeah. And then since we've sold our condo, we're in the suburbs and obviously much more fresh air. And then, you know, you've got your 2020 quarantine issues, but I'm outside every single day or I go for a walk and I'm not going for a walk where there's hundreds of cars passing by me on a busy street now. And it's like, oh my God, like I was basically just inhaling smog from all of these cars. So what's happening? Yeah. Why, why does that happen? Why is, it, why is this causing this irritability and what's happening to our genes? You're dirtying your genes and, and the genes are not able to function at their best. So I just, and you're like, okay, you're talking genetics again, but it's really simple. Genes have jobs to do. That's it. You, you have to understand that genes do things. And if you require them to do something that is outside of their usual routine, then the usual stuff doesn't get done. So imagine that you know you wake up in the morning and you have your usual routine of brushing your teeth and making your bed and feeding the kids and feeding yourself and maybe working out or whatever it is. And this one day, you, your alarm doesn't go off, but you're, you wake up like crazy because there's this tree that just crashes on your roof. Boom, done. All your routine stuff goes out the window. You're dealing with that. And then you finally open your inbox a week later and it's like 2000 messages. You know, your, your kids are hungry because you've been eating at McDonald's for the last two weeks while you're dealing with this. And, and so, you know, just imagine your own life. You have to deviate. So if you are putting a bunch of outside work in your body through your choices and your, your environmental exposures, that is all work your genes have to do, which is taking them away from their usual things that they need to do. So if you are exposing yourself to chlorine or formaldehyde or mothballs or arsenic in your drinking water because you're not filtering it or arsenic in your white rice or your chicken or what have you, then your glutathione is not able to get rid of the hydrogen peroxide that is generated in your body on its own. So anytime you have a neurotransmitter in your brain break down, Serotonin, for example, serotonin generates a huge amount of hydrogen peroxide, massive amounts of hydrogen peroxide. So if you're totally stressed out, you're, you're making all these neurotransmitters, they break down and they emit a bunch of ammonia, which is toxic, and they emit a bunch of hydrogen peroxide, which is toxic. And now you start to have brain fog and irritability and all these you know, slower uh, symptoms, or slower cognitive thinking. And you don't know it's because your glutathione levels are low because, or your glutathione levels are low because of these outside things. So basically you have a choice. Are you going to let your genes do what they do on a normal basis as they have been through thousands of years, or are you going to inundate them with the new things in our environment, which they, they haven't evolved yet in order to deal with that. They just can't. And infertility, Joey is skyrocketing. It is a major issue in your age group. Yeah. Your age group in 30s. People are in their upper 20s and low 30s and they're infertile. So something's up. Yeah. I mean, it's very genes. And I think a lot of the times, you know, I've had friends that, you know, it took a long time to get pregnant and stuff. I'm like, did you, did you go have your boys checked out? Like you see how they're working, how they're swimming and like, oh, it can't be me. You know, I think as, as, as guys, like we're, we're taught, we're supposed to be masculine. We're supposed to be okay. Mm-hmm. And it can't possibly be you, but are you, do you want to have a little miracle? Go, go and, you know, make your donation in a cup 
see how they're swimming, see how they're working, and then you can solve the problem. I, you know, I think that's part of the issue where you said, like, there's something on your skin or whatever. We don't want to do that. Obviously, this is a much bigger thing right there. But guys, if you're listening and if you're having a, a hard time getting your you know, wife pregnant, like, you possibly could be the problem. So go get checked out. Uh, so, And you talked about, I mean, all these other things like water um, and air. Like, how... I mean, how do we kind of break through all this noise? Because there's a lot of things. I mean, this can really freak you out. You start going like, oh my God, I've got a gas stove. I do this. I, I, I live in the uh -huh. city. How uh -huh. do we tackle this? And what, what's the bare minimum thing that people should do? Obviously, like, you know, getting a you know, strategy test and going through all that and, and seeing someone such as yourself is obviously, you know, the best thing, you know, that they could do. But right now, people listening to this, like, what are some tangible behaviors that they can make their lives a little bit better? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is hard. And, and what's really cool is it's your next choice. You just start with your next choice. And look, you, you know what you're doing that you shouldn't be doing. And if you're, you become habitual at it. Lately, admittedly, I've been on my phone at night in bed because I'm behind. And I think if I get a few more emails done or I check my stocks at this hour and, and make some plans, you know, maybe I can next day I'll, you know, I'll execute it better. Well, I'm not executing anything better. I'm, I'm kidding myself. And I know I am because I'm staring at blue light, which is ruining my melatonin. I got to stop it, you know? So it, you start getting in these patterns and these bad habits and you got to pull it. It's just like in the movie, what about Bob? Baby steps, baby steps, Bob, come on, baby steps. You can do it you know, get up out of the chair, you know, walk to the door. Okay. I, I like that. All right. So obviously, you know, okay. it, <laughs> and we have this, we have this. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. So people are, people are aware, I think right now, like, I think, I think most individuals are probably aware that they should stay off their laptop or their phone, you know, right before night. And I don't think they specifically knew why, because that's just messing with your melatonin production. And then people will try to pop melatonin for me. I tried it one time and I was like, okay, I can't do that because I took it and it had kind of the adverse reaction. Oh, but and I know, why. <laughs> I know <laughs> why. And that's, that's the cool thing with strategy. And so, you know, we, you look at your genetic test and you, Genetic testing, well, you want to get in the, in the weeds of genetic testing here yeah, for a let, second? Let's, let's, let's go, Doc. Let's do it. All right. So genetic testing pisses me off. Uh, <laughs> and, and when you get your results back from 23andMe and it says that, you know, you're, you had asparagus, your pee will stink, or you have a, a 1.7 increased chance of getting prostate cancer, or you have a 2.1%, you know, it's full decreased risk of colon cancer. What does that tell me? okay, well, all right, so is that static? I mean, like, is that set in stone? I mean, what, what lifestyle do I, changes do I do here? You know, I don't want prostate cancer, colon cancer. Okay, then I can go to McDonald's now, you know, because my risk of prostate, you know, prostate cancer is high, but, you know, colon cancer is low, so I'm just going to go to fast food. It's faster and easier, and we think it's cheaper, but it's not. Right. So, you know, your, your ability to make lifestyle or personal changes is not good from these tests. And so then you order a different one and they come back and they say, okay, you have this particular gene, let's say MTHFR, which is, you know, everybody talks about this gene, including myself. Um, and I have a whole website dedicated to it. Um, you know, and, and so you, you learn that you have this MTHFR gene, which makes your body's number one form of folate, which is called methylfolate. 
you learn to not take folic acid, which is great. You stop taking folic acid because it messes up that particular gene. And you start taking this really live, you know, powerful form of folate because you have MTHFR, you have to. So I suck down a bunch of methylfolate and the, and the genetic test tells me to. You, you know, Joey, we've identified you have MTHFR, 677 variant, and you have a reduced ability to make methylfolate and consume methylfolate for the rest of your life. Done. And without any mention that you can find natural methylfolate in liver, I can't eat liver, but anyway, or leafy green vegetables, um, you know, or if you consume protein, you're getting choline. So you don't really need as much folate if you're consuming sufficient uh, protein containing meals. But God, if you're a vegan or vegetarian and you're not really eating too many veggies because a lot of vegetarians come on, you know, you carbitarians. Um, So I was a carbitarian, was a vegetarian. So most, most genetic testing just tells you if you have a genetic variant and what simple step you should take, and it's usually a supplement. I call it a supplement mill. It's, an, it's identify the problem, provide the solution. You know, And I can talk about a mainstream problem that we have today you know, with a certain infection, we have a problem now, we have the solution, right? But is the solution really you know, a pill or a jab? No, it's big picture. So genetic testing should show you which actions you should take, which actions you shouldn't take in the realms of lifestyle, environment, food, and nutrition. And if you look at all of those combined and you know which of those actions will slow the the function of the gene or make it dirty, and you also have the flip side, which actions should I take in all those categories to support my gene, then you're really onto something. And that's what our genetic test does. And is it easy? No, it's a pain. It's really difficult. Um, but once you learn how to use it, it's transformative because a genetic test, people think it's like, um, you did your SAT. So you, you, you fill in all the bubbles for SAT and then you get a score back. It's 1060 or 1080. I did right. miserable. I got like a 1080. And, uh, we're not going to talk about my ACT score because it just, <laughs> I skipped an entire section. Not on purpose. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> that's whatever. Why, that's why that's, I played hockey in college. It's fine. There you go. That's right. Well, I rode, so. <laughs> there you go. Um, but genetic testing is something that you should utilize your whole life and refer back to the report that you got to make choices that will support cleaning your genes. And you can reference back to it all the time. And the book, Dirty Genes, is not a book that you sit down and read by the fire on vacation once and you're done. It's a book that you reference. It's a guide. So genetic testing should be a guide. It's not you look at your genes and then you supplement with all these supplements the rest of your life and you're done. That's not how it works. So we basically provide you a map. That makes sense. All right. So uh, I took your strategy test. So let's, um, you know, as people know on the show, I'm, I'm a guinea pig. So uh, can we go over some of my results and maybe some other results will, will help people listening as well? Yeah. So I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit, Joey. Are you comfortable talking about uh, some symptoms in your life? Oh, oh, oh dude, I'm, I'm doing a podcast where I've done everything from ketamine therapy to being vegan for three months. So, you know, All right. br- bring it at me. Okay. Any history of um, gut issues in your life ever of being sensitive to um, yogurts or kefir or kombuchas or, or fermented foods or some probiotics just didn't sit well with you or, you know, you're drinking wine and it's problematic for you? Yeah, absolutely. And um, admittedly, I have terrible gas. Okay. So, okay. which would be my, which would be good. I mean, it bad, like 
foul smelling gas. Okay. Well, there's multiple things with that, but with, if you drink wine, how does wine sit with you typically? Um, yeah, I don't feel too great doing it. Um, certain, certain types of red wine I'm okay with. I don't do the sweet stuff. Also, honestly, lately, the past couple of years, if I have a glass or two of wine, I wake up the next day like I had just drank a case of beer mm-hmm. uh, and, and I feel completely out of sorts. Okay. Well, if you look on your histamine or your, your strategy and report and you open up your histamine pathway, there's a gene called DAO. And we talk about DAO in the Dirty Genes book. So this is one of the super seven genes I talk about in, in, in the book. And to go back and, re, and discuss that a little bit, how can you write a book on seven genes when there's 18,000 in the human body? Well, I, there's some genes, if they are not functioning right, they put a huge load on a bunch of other genes having to step up and go to work and step up and go to bat for you. And now you're dirtying those whole bunch of genes. And so DAO is my gut gene. And if your DAO gene is dirty, your gut is going to be problematic because if you have high histamine in your gut, high histamine is associated with leaky gut. It's associated with inflammatory bowel disorders, you know, and so I can just pick one gene and I can really focus on your gut health just from that. And NOS3 is another gene I talk about. NOS3, if it's dirty, your cardiovascular system entirely is messed up. So um, there's no question, 100%. And um, so, you know, I pick genes that have major, major impact on people's lives. And, um, and then the good thing about it is if you know you have these genetic variants, you can make, again, n- no guesswork here, strategic, that's strategy, strategic choices which reduces your guesswork, which then amplifies your ability to minimize those symptoms or even eliminate them completely, hmm. which is really powerful. So when I was looking at your histamine pathway, DAO is commonly varied in the population. And it's, it's actually a good thing to have a more sensitive DAO gene. You know, if you look at ancestors, if ancestors ate food, that was riddled with bacteria in it and it was going to kill them, having a slower DAO increased their histamine in their gut, which allows them to have explosive diarrhea to get rid of that, that you know, toxin or bacteria out of their system. And it also taught them if they maybe ate a plant or something that wasn't good, maybe these were the healers you know, in, in tribes where they could take a bite of something like, oh, that's poisonous, don't touch that. And it would save the entire tribe because they were super sensitive to it. Mm. So we've inherited that from our ancestors in our modern day societal living, where we know what's toxic for the most part, and we know what isn't. But now you're living with these super sensitive genes in a modern day environment, which isn't really good for survival. It's more of a pain in the butt. <laughs> and so, yeah. And if, if you learn that you have this slower histamine uh, processing gene in your gut, then you look at your probiotics in your fridge you're like, wow, I've been taking lactobacillus fermentum and lactobacillus bulgaricus. These are two in my, my probiotic. And God, you know what? I know probiotics are good for me, but I've been taking these for the past two months and I haven't been right ever since. I've been a little bit more irritable. Sleeping has been a problem and my gut just feels off and um, I'm more sensitive to foods. And then you, you look at that and then you look at your strategy report and you're like, oh my God, my DAO is dirty. It's slower. And he's saying right here, uh, you know, supplements, you know, to be careful of supplements containing these things. 
and and so on. So it's it's uh, very informative that way. Okay, so I, I, um, I should stay away from the Greek yogurt and the lactobacillus. Well, lactobacillus, so bifidobacter bacteria, probably your friend. Do not make any histamine at all. They're very, very safe um, for the most part. And lactobacillus can also be helpful, but some strains are more problematic than others. Lactobacillus casei, lactobacillus bulgaricus, and lactobacillus fermentum, these all increase histamine. And histamine is good. It's not like histamine is bad. You need histamine to stimulate stomach acid in the right amount. You have too much histamine, you start getting acid reflux. And, and then if you have too little histamine in your digestive system, then you're going to get constipated because histamine stimulates peristalsis. And so the movement of your stool through your system. So, you know, it's, there's benefits to histamine, but you can't have too much. Mm. Um, so that is one. And then I'm going to look at your serotonin pathway. Um, okay. Uh, um, uh, so B12, you have a gene which reduces your ability to carry vitamin B12. And if you are consuming folic acid, this gene is called TCN1 and TCN2. And this gene may have decreased cellular and plasma concentration of transcobalamin 2. This translates to lower cell availability of vitamin B12. So I'll ask you, when you get your lab testing, do you usually see that your B12 is elevated or your plasma B12 is normal, it looks good, and maybe it's too high? Yeah. 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 I've had multiple, yeah. Multiple blood work tests. And yeah. Okay. So here's what a lot of people need to understand is when you get a blood test of B12 or blood test of a lot of things, who cares? It doesn't matter what's in your blood. It needs to get inside the cell. Hmm. That's where it needs to go. That's its ultimate destination. So you can have all the blood levels you want of B12 and it could be not doing a damn thing. It's like having the keys to your car at home and you just got dropped off at your friend's house to go pick up your car at their house and you don't have the keys. <laughs> Does that happen? <laughs> right? So you got the keys. They're in your drawer at home. You have them, but they're not where they're supposed to be. So you can't do any work. So your B12 is there, but it can't function. So if you have this genetic variant of transcobalamin, which reduces your ability to transport your ultra important vitamin B12, then you should be taking really, really good forms of vitamin B12 to help that and saturate the hell out of it. Mm. So there's some chance. So if you have very few carrier proteins in your blood and you have very low B12 in your blood, what's the likelihood of you being able to carry a little bit of B12 on a little bit of transport proteins? Pretty low, right? Yeah. It, but if you have a lot of B12, so that maybe you take a 5,000 microgram lozenge of, of methylcobalamin and you do it daily and you notice, wow, I'm, that's really helping me right now because you've saturated your blood. Your blood is just rich of B12. And so your little transcobalamin carriers that are floating around your blood, there's so much B12 in there, it's, it's certain to bind some. But here's another kicker. Transcobalamin too, is if you look right on your pathway in your strategy report, it is slowed down by folic acid. 
So if you're born with this slower transcobalamin 2 gene, and you are, and you are consuming folic acid, folic acid is binding to what little transcobalamin you have, which is preventing your vitamin B12 to bind to it and be delivered inside the cell. Make sense? Yeah. So folic acid is gumming up your already dirty gene and making it dirtier. So life recommendation, avoid folic acid. And that is a huge one. When I surveyed over 5,000 people years ago, what was the number one thing that they, that I informed them else did, that was the major turnaround for them by far, Joey, it was remove folic acid from their diet. Okay. So what types of things should be, uh, should people be getting rid of to, to take the folic acid out? Well, number one is, is any processed grains Mm -hmm. for the most part, any processed grains has got folic acid, which is really cool because if you're focused on eliminating folic acid, because you have a dirty TCN2 gene and let's say your TCN2 gene isn't even dirty, it's fine. But if you're consuming a lot of folic acid, that transcobalamin gene is now being saturated by folic acid. And even if you have good B12 and you're consuming a lot of processed wheat or processed flours or energy bars that got folic acid or energy drinks that got folic acid because you're tired all the time. So now you're on this vicious cycle to drink all these energy drinks and supplements that have these B complexes, which with folic acid, it's to give you that boost of energy. It's a false sense of security because you're just keeping that gene dirty and you're, you're wringing out a dry sponge trying to get a drop of water of energy out mm-hmm. of you. So the, the number one thing you do is you, you eliminate these processed foods. And uh, you, by doing that, you're going to be reducing your exposure to folic acid. And if you do that, you're going to be cleaning up not just your TCN genes, but a whole bunch of other ones too. Um, so fully transport. So breastfeeding. Oh my. So um, how old is your child? Uh, he'll be three in February. So okay. He, he did breastfeed for it's like 17, 18 months, I believe. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. And so we think that that breast milk is inherently beautiful and it is, it's great. But as Lily Nichols uh, talks about in her book, Real Food for Pregnancy and on her websites and her blog articles, she's brilliant by the way. Um, breast milk is as healthy as the mother. Mm. If the mother is nutrient deficient, the breast milk is nutrient deficient. And if you're taking a a prenatal that has folic acid in it, then you are gumming up the folic acid transport. And even if you're eating your leafy green vegetables, eating if you're eating your liver, because you know that's good for you, but you're taking a prenatal with 800 micrograms of folic acid and you're also maybe eating a few processed foods, then your ability to deliver the good active form of folate to your developing child's brain is significantly reduced Hmm. because these folate binding proteins get gummed up from folic acid. And so you have to eliminate that as a mother in order to deliver good forms of folate to your developing baby and yourself as well, because face it, a prenatal is for you, your baby, and also your grandkids, especially if, if uh, you have a, a girl in the yeah. womb because her, her, her eggs are being developed, you know, in, in utero. Well, yeah. When, when uh, my wife Maria was pregnant, she, nothing organic, nothing processed. And I think she was very aware and she's her master's in science. So very, very smart. And that's what 
she even started doing this before she even got pregnant. She's like, I want to make sure that everything I'm putting into my body is going to be feeding this baby and not even right. like, not even these things like, Oh, maybe it's okay to have a glass of wine. Maybe she's like, no, I want a hundred percent make sure like, well, we didn't know if it was a boy or a girl at the time, but make sure that they are absolutely okay. And I'm doing everything I can for this child. I mean, the saying goes like you, you are what your food eats, not even necessarily what you eat. So I think that's a, uh, that's a good tip for people. And especially if people that are in, you know, about to have a child is uh, make sure what you're putting in your body is going to take care of that kid too. All right, I know you're tight on time. Let's do, let's do one, one more, one more um, on my strategy report. Okay, before we do that, I want to share this amazing statement that I just found. Panic disorder is an anxiety disorder characterized by sudden unexpected attacks of intense fear and anticipatory anxiety. Lifetime prevalence is 1% to 3%. Genetically complex with an estimated heritability of 48%. Wow. 48% passed on. And that is because if you look in the mechanisms of serotonin pathway and your dopamine pathway and the genes involved and understanding the mechanisms in which your genes in these pathways get dirty, SSRIs during pregnancy is a major one, you know, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors and so on. If you're taking those while pregnant, you could be passing on. Um, and it's tough because you want to blame yourself, mm. but there's, you know, I want to really urge you not to get the information that you so deserve and that you need. Nobody's talking about this stuff. So there's something called translational epigenetics, which is what actions that you take during pregnancy and pre-pregnancy men, you too, um, you know, are, are then being passed on to your child. And so I am, so Joey, my big focus right now, our tagline at Seeking Health is optimizing life. And that's truly what we, our focus is. So my next book is on pregnancy hmm. and, and preconception. And uh, I've got heaps of notes on that. But uh, anyway, uh, kudos to your wife for, for being so on it because I certainly wasn't. And, and my wife was consuming folic acid. The first time she got pregnant was, God, I mean, no, um, eons ago. Our oldest now is 18. So I guess 19 years ago. Um, and uh, first thing I did, ran out and got folic acid. No kidding. Um, so um, let's see another gene here. Uh, So you have a um, faster MAO-A. So MAO-A is a genetic variant which processes amines. So serotonin is a big one. And so if you have a faster MAO-A, your serotonin levels have the susceptibility, not the ultimate, it's not set in stone, but they have an increased susceptibility to depleting your serotonin levels faster. Now, since you are a male, you're, you have an, this gene is X-linked. So you only have, you know, one chromosome is, has MAO-A in it, you know. So it's, it gets complicated. So men typically have a slower MAO-A gene than women by default. But since you are male, a faster MAO-A isn't entirely totally fast, but it's still important to know. So I want to ask you this. Do you, and, and there's a lot of other genes involved with, it's not just MAO-A, but I discussed this in the book, so I'm going to keep it simple without adding another four or five genes on top of it. Sure. If you do that, it makes the algorithm more accurate. 
but it's more complicated. But anyway, um, 5-HTP, have you ever taken 5-HTP in your life? Uh, I don't believe so, no. Okay, 5-HTP is a supplement that helps support your serotonin. So if you look on your strategy pathway, you'll see one step away from your actual serotonin neurotransmitter is a gene, I believe, called DDC. So you have to look this up. Would would this have been in, I took antidepressants when I was a kid. Would this have been? Yes, yes, yes. This could be very related to that. So yes, I was on uh, Zoloft when I was... 14, 15 years old, and then in college for a few months as well. And I stopped taking it because it made me not feel right. Okay, so Zoloft mechanism of action is presumed linked. See, look at this. They're prescribing drugs for certain things, and they don't even know how the drug acts. Hmm. The mechanism of action of Zoloft is presumed to be linked to the inhibition of the brain, brain's uptake of serotonin. Hmm. Studies at clinically relevant doses in men have demonstrated that Zoloft blocks the uptake of serotonin in the human platelets. So what this means, if it's linked to the inhibition of uptake of serotonin, it's going to, there's either uptake or there's reuptake. So I don't know what they're talking about here. The FDA did a crappy job of explaining this, <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, but without, with, with, without going into too much detail, you, you have to transport your serotonin to, and it's stored in vesicles. So your, your serotonin is stored in like these little balls, um, like little bubbles. And it stays there until you have a stimulus to release those, pop those bubbles and let the serotonin out. So you're, you have to transport these things into um, part of your brain and then they get released from the bubbles and they bind to a receptor. And so your serotonin receptor, um, you have a slow one. Um, so your ability to bind, your ability to receive the serotonin on these receptors isn't as effective. So you need more serotonin to give an effect mm. because that receptor is not so, um, you know, in, number, in, in high numbers. Yeah. But you have other receptors that are, you know, average and other ones that are faster. Um, and then I have another one, which we have a no call, which we, we don't know. Um, and then your serotonin transport, your ability to transport serotonin is slower. So your ability to carry your serotonin into the active part of your brain is reduced. So if you have, if you were put on antidepressants as a kid, because you were sad, I assume. Yep. Yep. Right. Yeah, okay. no, I, I was 14 when I was diagnosed with depression. So yeah, I mean, I, I speak, yeah. of, speak of this, you know. Publicly, so, I'm, so I'm looking at here and you have a slower ability to make your serotonin. Your TPH2 gene is slower. And that gene is responsible to make your serotonin. So for you, 5-HTP supplement, the typical recommended dose is 50 milligrams. That could be a game changer for you. That could be one of those things that just turns the lights on in your brain and that lists the depression. And look, there's no guessing. I'm staring at your genes. I know how your serotonin is made. I know how it's transported and I know how your receptors are acting. So there's no guesswork here. Hmm. And I know how your, your, your serotonin is processed out of your body. You have a fast processing of serotonin. You have a slow synthesis of producing it and you have a slow ability to transport it in the active part of your brain and in the active part of your brain, you might have a, you, you're showing 
some uh, conflicting faster or slower. So that's one, two, three, four, five different receptors of serotonin. So there's uh, differences there. Some are slower, some are faster. But get this, organic food for you, very important. Why? Pesticides slow your receptors down even more. So once again, I'm just staring at this one map here from yeah. strategy. That's it. I can make all this information from staring at this map, which how strategic is that for you? Yeah. No, that's amazing, huge. right? So, I mean, I, I eat 95% organic as it is and try to stay away from the dirty dozen. People look that up. Um, if you want to know um, each year, they change the dirty dozen, right? On, on what you should be environmental. Um, can't remember. Yes. The, yeah. It's, it's, pretty consistent but it's across the board but strawberries are a huge issue yeah. and let's say you you kick ass with that mm-hmm. and you send your kid to school schools are loaded with pesticides and herbicides your neighbor's yard maybe they run and go get the ball maybe they just had the orca whale truck just you know spray <laughs> right yeah. Yeah. um you know and so your kid runs over there so it's it's uh we do our damnedest to to do this and you take the shoes off in your home and all that we do the same thing yeah and, um you know but you know you just do your best but it's cool when you know what to do strategically yeah okay so, so uh, i give five htp a shot okay so take five htp and see Try how, it. see how i feel okay yeah. cool yeah all right well doc so i've got one more qu- question for you um i really appreciate you taking the time so where do you think, where do you want the future of uh, medicine and health to head? Individualized personal empowerment, reducing the need for people to have to go to health professionals to support their common everyday issues. Depression, you should not have to see a doctor for depression. You should not have to see a doctor for running nosebleeds. You should not have to see a doctor for cold hands and feet that is a sign of cardiovascular dysfunction. You know, you should not have to go to a doctor for headaches or migraines or eczema, psoriasis, or, you know, or sensitivity to foods. You shouldn't have to see a doctor for any of this. Anxiety, irritability, bipolar, shouldn't have to see a doctor for any of that. All that should be on your own. And if you look at your genes and how your genes are working and you have the tools to start cleaning them up and understand how they work, nobody's taught us, Joey, how, what genes do what, or it's all kept in the dark. And we think that these people wearing white coats, giving us these weird colorful uh, tablets with you know, engraved letters on them um, is the miracle cure and it's nonsense. We have a virus now that is wiping out you know, a, a portion of the population and they are really dirty genes. They're just dirty, that's it. The people who don't have dirty genes are just fine from this thing. So it's, uh, I want personal empowerment. That's what it is. And, and my job is to provide the tools to help people do that. Dr. Ben Lynch, where can people find more about you and um, strategy and everything else? Strategy, T-R-A-T-E-G-E-N-E. And so we have strategy.me. And um, so that is where you can find strategy. And uh, is, I will tell you right now, it is not for the faint of heart. You know, you don't think that you're going to get a report that's going to tell you what to do. You're going to have to sit down like Joey did here and watch the Dirty Jeans course, read the book, um, watch some videos, get on some webinars and, and learn how this thing works. It's like if I push a piano into your house for Christmas <laughs> and um, you know, don't think you're gonna sit down and be Beethoven overnight. 
You know, (laughs) you got to put the work in. Um, Very true. Yeah. And I want to ask you one more question here, Joey. Ever struggle with headaches or migraines? Yes. Yes. I I chronically uh, got migraines in high school for a long time too. And then they they obviously prescribed some sort of, you know, massive Tylenol type thing. Yeah. Something for me because they said it was athletically induced migraines. I think that's what they called it. Well, I will beg to differ. Because my understanding of the serotonin pathways, migraines are triggered by low serotonin. Mm. Look at that. I'm learning so much. <laughs> but isn't that cool? It is. It's honestly, it's really cool because I used to be of the mindset where I didn't look anything up and, you know, the, uh, being naive is bliss and all. And now like I, I research everything and it's almost too much, but I'd rather know what I can do. Right. So if I'm using a gas stove now, we turn on the hood. Like, yes, are we, before are we, you light yeah, it. Right. Before. So we, yeah, because that you yeah. can smell that right away. Yes. So, you know, those little things we can do. And, we, and, and it's not say that you uh, listen to this podcast with Dr. Lynch. You said, get, get rid of the gas stoves and move out of the city and whatever. If you can, obviously you you know, do that, but it's about empowering yourself and having the know-how and the knowledge. And you even have tips in your book about, you know, and, and talk about like what plants to use or air filters or water purification, all these different things that if you have the means, go ahead. And as, as you said, it was like baby Bob or whatever, take, you gotta, you gotta take the yeah. first step or crawl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense, man. And, it, and, and I also want to, I want to, I want to close with this statement too, uh, at least on my end is, is look, perfectionism is a, is a sign of procrastination. Or procrastination is 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 a sign of perfectionism. Whatever you, however you want to say it, mm-hmm. my eloquence is is garbage sometimes. Um, but we'll, we'll clean it up for you. Yeah, thank you. Edit the hell out of that. Um, <laughs> so I just want you to take an action. Look, if you got a gas stove in your house, just like Joey said, turn on the hood. If you got a crappy hood, I don't care. Use it. You know, turn it on before you ignite the thing, and and um, or maybe have Uber Eats deliver for a week. And then um, it's, you know, I don't know how much that stuff costs, but, you know, just experiment and and do some things. If you have a gas fire in your home, maybe don't use that for a while. That is, that is a luxury thing that you can cut. And um, so just do things and take action on them. They're not going to be perfect, but just start. Beautiful. All right, guys, make sure to check out Dr. Ben Lynch, Dirty Jeans, Strategene, Seeking Health. Um, Actually, if you want to, uh, Go to Seeking Health, Joey December. You'll get ten percent off, um, as you've been Ooh. so so kind to offer, and uh, I'm sure everybody else appreciates that. Uh, I'm Joey Thurman. Here's another episode of the Fatter Future Podcast. Remember, don't be a fatty. F A D D Y. Be a part. See everybody laughs when I say that. Be a part of the future. Sure.